Thank you for helping meet some of our needs uh, as we serve God on the continent of Africa. Uh, many of you were involved in helping us um, uh, buy a vehicle to use in South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, um, and we want to say uh, thank you. Uh, we, we hope God will continue to give us creative ways to get involved here each time we come to visit. Uh, and I was just sitting, thinking, seated there, um, we would love to be part of a small group uh, so that uh, the few times we're able to come and visit, we can actually come during the week, be part of a Bible study group, and then stay on you know, for the weekend uh, and enjoy the, the fellowship. Uh, we would love to do that. The, the theme of this very short letter by Jude, some of you know Jude is the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and the theme in this very short letter is contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And we need to ask the question this morning, why is it necessary? Why is it necessary for, for us to, to learn to contend for the faith? Uh, why was it necessary for them then, uh, the first century church? And why is it necessary, why is it important for us to do the same thing uh, globally, but for us to do the same thing in the United States of America? And the answer is that we live in a twisted, crooked, broken world. A world where Christianity is under attack. And this is not the first time the Christian faith has been under attack. It was under attack then, it is under attack today. And perhaps that's the reason why we should never act surprised. Why? Because scripture makes it very clear that the Christian faith will always be under attack. Your prominent authors have argued that not only do you live in a fractured culture, in a fractured America, but you, lead, you live in a fractured church. We are witnessing what one of your historians has called the disunity of America. And he says the disuniting of America would not be so frightening if it were not accompanied by a disuniting of the faith. And according to demographer George Barner, he says the American church is more divided than at any, is more divided today than at any time ever. We're divided over what is right and what is wrong. We're divided over what is good and what is bad. We're divided over what we should, what we should do and what we should not do. And as a result, there is absolute confusion. We live in a fractured world, in a fractured church. And so it is imperative that Christians learn to contend for the Christian faith. And this short letter written by Jude tells us how. Notice originally Jude wanted to share those things of the faith with his fellow believers which were common to all of them. But the Holy Spirit redirected him to a matter of greater agency. Issues of the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. Why? Because this faith, once for all delivered to the saints, was being challenged. It was being undermined. It was being perverted. 
And this was true then, and it is true for us today. So what does it mean to contend for the faith? The Greek word used here gives us a little insight, and it means to exert an, an, an intense or strenuous effort on behalf of something, to struggle for something, to fight, or to contend for something. And that should tell us that if we think contending for the faith is going to be easy and fun, we have the wrong idea. The spiritual warfare that is raging around us is real, and it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse, and it takes a strenuous effort to fight on God's behalf. In other words, to earnestly contend for something is not a laid-back activity. The common cross-reference for that phrase is found in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. The common scripture, fight the good fight of faith. And the meaning of contend has to do with laboring fervently or striving, just as an athlete would when participating in a sporting event. Good athletes must train vigorously in keeping with the demands of their sport. Likewise, a committed Christian must spiritually condition himself or herself in keeping with Paul's exhortation to have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Train yourself for godliness. Paul often used the correlation between athletic endeavors and the Christian walk to show that a believer's life is not a passive proposition. It requires spiritual training, which includes many of the qualities that a superior athlete demonstrates, qualities like diligence, commitment, self-discipline, teachability. In other words, it requires training. It requires discipleship. Too often the reaction to Jude's exhortation is that contending for the faith is best left to experts. Uh, experts like scholars, like theologians, like missionaries, experts like apologists. In his exhortation, Jude challenges this thinking among believers. First, Jude was not writing this letter to theological experts, but he was writing to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. In other words, Jude was writing to believers, the saints, common believers, who love Jesus, who follow him. But not just love Jesus. He says they are sanctified by God the Father and they are preserved in Jesus. In other words, one reason why Christians should be prepared to contend for the faith is because they are secured in Jesus. Jude says they are preserved in Jesus Christ. So Jude was writing to common believers. But second, a major aspect of contending for the faith has to do with every, every believer's spiritual development on a day-to-day -day basis. In other words, every believer's discipleship, ongoing discipleship, every believer's 
ongoing growth, spiritual growth. In other words, contending for the faith is not just for experts. It doesn't even involve arguing or confronting others like we see apologists do. According to 1 Peter 3.15, it should be the lifelong spiritual routine of every believer. And we read, but in your hearts, honor Christ as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And this is for every believer on a day-to-day basis in our ordinary lives, not our unordinary, glamorous lives, but our ordinary lives on a day-to-day basis, being able to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Whether it's at the grocery shop, it's at the, at the soccer field, whether maybe you're taking a walk and someone joins you and you end up telling them that you go to church. And they ask why. And you give them the reason for the hope that is in you. So first and foremost, contending for the faith is the responsibility of every believer. But this morning I also want to say, especially those believers who have been privileged to study more and understand more, who have the responsibility to train not only those who lead the church, but every believer in understanding this gospel and learning how to communicate it relevantly in our context. For those who have had the privilege to do seminary education, uh, as theological educators or theologians, we're not only impassioned scholars, but we are also thought leaders for the church. Thought leaders who guard and clarify the teachings of the church, who wrestle with the questions of the day and hopefully move many by our writings and teachings and our preachings. In other words, we are called to contend for the faith and perhaps we are on the forefront of doing so as we help others learn how to contend. But what is this faith that Jude refers to? First, faith is a reference to the body of basic Christian doctrine and Christian truth. Notice that it is the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, the substance of apostolic faith, this body of doctrine, Jude would argue is complete and must govern the meaning of the terms in which doctrine is defined and discussed. And this is similar to what John says in Revelation 22 verse 19, where he instructed the reader not to add to or take away from the word. Christians are to take the basic doctrines of the faith and live by them, extracting from them further implications and principles for Christian living. They are not to be denied nor distorted, Paul used similar terminology in 2 Timothy 4.7 where he stated that he had remained faithful 
to this deposit of truth, this doctrinal core to which all believers should adhere. Second doctrine must be translated into contemporary Christian experience. God himself must be known, not merely the speculations of others about God. For one to be keen in understanding God's word and defending it, one must know God. And this occurs through a personal relationship with God in Christ Jesus. It does not occur in ivory tower scholarship where perhaps Greek and Hebrew and theology are practiced devoid of a relationship with God. And third, the faith, this doctrinal system that Jude is talking about has two sides. The first is seen in verse three, which is the doctrinal side. And the second is in verse four, the practical or ethical side, if you wish. Notice how the faith of verse three is what is distorted by false teachers in verse four. They have turned the grace of God into a license for immorality. These false teachers have challenged the faith and affected the ethical and practical life of believers. And these verses present two sides of the same coin. One side is doctrine, the other is practice. And so if this truth, these basic doctrines, the faith, if it is lost or distorted, the result is not merely wrong ideas, but misplaced trust. In other words, the inner life of faith is not independent from the doctrinal statement of faith. When doctrine goes bad, so do our hearts. This is why it is true to say that wrong theology leads not only to wrong thinking, it also leads to wrong behavior. And Jude argues that there is a body of doctrine, there is truth which must be preserved, guaranteed, secured, and sured. Francis Schaeffer said this about Christianity. He said, Christianity is not a series of truths in the plural, but rather truth spelled with a capital T. Truth about total reality, not just about religious things. Biblical Christianity is truth concerning total reality and the intellectual holding of that total truth and then living in the light of that truth. And I think the main evidence of this is right here in verse three. The fact that this faith, this truth, is said to be delivered to the saints. This means that it was passed down from the apostles. It was not thought up by the church. It was revealed by God to his apostles and their close associates and then taught to the churches as the whole counsel of God or the standard of teaching as we read in Romans 6 verse 17. Notice that there is a faith once for all delivered to the saints and not faith. There is a truth and not truth. Today it is fashionable to speak of many theologies in the New Testament or the Old Testament. And scholars love to stress the diversity of viewpoints among the different writers. 
and the difficulty of bringing them all into a single coherent understanding of reality. But the implication of Jude 3 is that whatever diversity there is in the way we view this faith, in the way we read the Old Testament or the New Testament, the emphasis falls on the unity. There is an apostolic faith. There is a body of doctrine that hangs together and it is called the faith. We should not add to it or take from it. It has been once for all delivered to the saints. It is therefore wise to keep an open mind with respect to the various theologies or what different theologians say. And yet we must hold firm to orthodoxy, to this faith that Jude is talking about. Keep an open mind about popular theologies, yes. Study and reflect on their thoughts. But the truths once for all delivered, the basic doctrines of the faith as they have come down to us, are not open for debate as to their veracity and finality. Jude is saying sound doctrine is not an open question. This faith, this body of truth, this doctrine is worth contending for, Jude says. And I'm sure you'd all agree that we will not be the first Christians to contend for this faith. Many have gone before us and some of them sacrificed everything for this faith, including their very own lives. In fact, the faith we call upon we are called upon to contend for, was preserved for us with the blood of hundreds of reformers. The blood of the martyrs is in fact a powerful testimony that the faith once for all delivered to the saints is worth contending for. But there's evidence of this right here in verse 3. Jude says that what he's really writing about is our common salvation. Since I'm eager to write about our common salvation, it is necessary to aid you to contend for the faith. What Jude is saying here is when the faith is at stake, our salvation is at stake. If the truth is lost, if the truth is lost in our education, in our health sector, in the public sphere, then salvation is lost. The apostles and reformers were willing to die for the sake of the faith. Why? Because they cared about whether the message of salvation would be preserved. They cared about people and about the glory of God. And that's the reason why we need to gain a whole new sense of the preciousness of the foundations of our faith. We need to know the depth and beauty and value of the doctrinal truth laid out so profoundly in the scriptures and summarized for us in the Westminster Confession. There is a faith worth contending for. And I can't begin to overestimate the value to the church of God in having men and women who have worked their, their way into the unifying heart of this faith and are committed to teach and to preach it. And then Jude goes on to say this faith is repeatedly threatened from within the church. And Jude speaks of some of the challenges facing the church then and now. 
And he says this faith is repeatedly threatened from within the church. And what Jude says is that the worst enemies of Christian doctrine are professing Christians who do not hold to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And the middle part of this letter of Jude describe who these people are. For Jude, the reason the church needed to gird itself to contend for the faith is given in verse 4. And he says, For admission has been secretly gained by some who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly persons who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And the plain New Testament teaching is that the faith will be repeatedly threatened from within. And this was true then, and it is true today. And I would want to encourage you as my brothers and sisters uh, in America, this is only the beginning. The challenge for the church is not Jehovah's Witnesses, it's not the Mormons, it's not even Satanists. The challenge are professing Christians who do not hold to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And Jude concludes with an admonition, and he says, every genuine believer should contend for the faith. Like I said at the beginning, Jude is not writing to the pastor, but he is writing to those who are called, who are beloved in God the Father, and they are kept for Jesus Christ. And perhaps the reason why we should contend confidently is because we are kept for Jesus Christ. We are kept. The duty to contend for the faith is therefore for every every believer. Not just the theologian, not just the pastor. Those who have read the Cape Town Commitment, uh, which came out of the Lausanne Congress in 2010, we remember that the commitment calls upon seminaries to find creative ways not only to equip those who lead the church, but all God's people for the missional task of understanding and relevantly communicating God's truth in every cultural context. This is a call to contend for the faith. And Jude 20 and 21 tells us some of the things we should do to prepare ourselves to contend for the faith. And then verses 22 and 23 tell us some of the ways to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So verses 20 and 21, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. In other words, study, meditate, build, grow in the faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so the best defense of the faith is to know it, to love it, and live it as a day-to-day reality that transforms all of life. As a day-to-day reality that affects every dimension of our lives. And Jude says prayer is an indispensable part of contending for the faith. And that's why he says pray in the Holy Spirit. Unless we seek the mind of the Holy Spirit in prayer, 
we will not grow in our grasp of the faith and we will be weak contenders for the gospel. When it comes to the actual contending, Jude says in verses 22 and 23, and convince some who doubt. Serve some by snatching them out of the fire. On some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. At least two things are evident in what Jude is saying. One is that contending sometimes involves an intellectual effort to change the way a person thinks. And that's why he says convince some, especially those who doubt. The other is that contending sometimes involves what others have called moral reclamation. Go after them into the mess where their perverse ideas have taken them and snatch them back to safety even while you hate what they're they're doing. In other words, you love them, but you hate the sin. In reality, these things always go together. An effort to change the mind and an effort to change the morals. Contending for the faith is never merely an academic exercise. It is never merely mental because the source of all false doctrine is the pride of man's heart and not the weakness of his mind. And this is why Jude tells us to grow and pray and stay in the love of God and depend on his mercy before he says anything about how we should contend for the faith. The best argument for the faith is when the saints live it. That's why Peter says, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. The way you contend is as important as the content of your arguments. Why? Because you can win with your logic, but lose with your life. May the God who sustains us continue to grow us into strong contenders of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so here Jude's exhortation once again in verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, each one of you, you, Christian, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May God bless you.